Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Black everybody my name is james d fury and this is blackball it is plymouth brethren christian church day on blackball which is basically well nowadays it's every day on blackball but this one has like a popeye twist to it if popeye were awful and evil richard marsh isn't going to get that because it's a pop culture reference um but if the you know when you collect plymouth brethren Christian church sins or crimes or examples of oppression or systematic abuse or coercionary criminal behavior, it becomes pretty clear that they're not really that nice. And when other stories happen that you, I mean, you think that it's probably not intentional, but who knows what the real reason could be. But then when you add these little sprinkle stories, and we have one of those tonight, these little sprinkle stories, like the one tonight is, is kind of crazy because they have a farm called Riviera Farms and Riviera Farms, I guess, sell spinach and they sold spinach that subsequently poisoned like hundreds of fucking Australians. And I don't know what you call that, but it couldn't happen to a worse bunch of assholes. And we're here to talk about that tonight with Richard Marsh, and Cheryl Hope. Welcome, Richard and Cheryl. How are you guys? Good. Fine, thank you. Yeah. You're going to have to pick up the energy there a bit, guys, um, <laughs> because we have poisonous spinach to talk about. Um, My favorite subject. Yes. So, I mean, okay. First of all, at a, at a cult-owned business, right, um, is it, when when people say that is it because the people that belong to the cult own the business or does the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church itself as an organization have an ownership stake in these businesses? Well, that's a that's a complicated question because all the major businesses, and this would certainly be one of them in the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, or should I say that are owned by members of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church are intimately connected with an organization called UBT, Universal Business Team. Yes, the cult has a stake in the business. Um, very well-defined legally in practice. They have a finger in the running, have a finger in where the profits go, and they certainly have a finger in who works for the business and who doesn't work for the business. So. Uh, I mean, typically, for example, they have 
clauses in the businesses, um, you know, title deeds or whatever you call it, such that if any of the directors was to leave the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, they are also obliged to leave their directorship and their stake in the business behind. So yes, by constitution, the business must remain in cult ownership. Yeah. Um, but the tax exempt status. So, I mean, they don't get a tax benefit for the businesses. No, the, businesses the businesses aren't tax exempt. They're, they right. they okay. have all sorts of charity and pseudo charitable um, bodies that are tax exempt, but the businesses as such have to pay tax. Yeah. But that's the thing, right? Because the people that own, so, so my understanding is that um, the people that run the businesses are brethren. They yeah. may employ people that aren't, yeah. but they won't fucking have lunch with them. No for reason. Well, um, probably a good thing in this case. Yeah, I guess so. I guess like yeah, yeah. If you're a commoner, you're probably like, Phew. oh shit, that's dodged a bullet there. Um, yeah. But uh, but anyway, so so they but they also probably um, benefit financially from receiving funds to the church because that's probably where a lot of the companies donate their money to, right? Yeah, I mean, what 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 happens, for example, that they get very heavily subsidised private schooling in return for large donations to the cult charity organisation. So effectively, they get they get tax relief on their educational costs. What, wasn't that one of the things that Damien Hasty was talking about when he was talking about how yeah. the money cycles through the UBT yeah. ecosystem, which is what we're going to also I'm going to pivot to that in a second, Cheryl, and uh, and bring you in on this. But the you know the idea that um, the businesses might not be tax exempt, but they're. Pro I wonder if they break even, break even, given who they give their charity dollars to. Like, I mean, I'm yeah, just... I mean, they, they would make very large donations to church funds, and of course, they don't pay tax on what they donate. It reduces their stated profit and then they get a lot of benefits from those church funds so ineffectively they get a hefty tax break yeah cheryl how are you first of all i love your hat it's very, it's very festive you know and i'm not trying to single out what you're wearing because you're a woman so no one sent me emails richard's just wearing the raggedy blue t-shirt because he's a new dad again so you know um i didn't want to bring any attention to it but there you are <laughs> yeah, you look great, Cheryl. So, how are you? Uh, you know, when, when you take a look at, you know, the the charity aspect of of the PBCC, what, what do you? What What's the first thing that comes to mind for you, honestly? That like, they should not have a charity status for number one. Right. Um, it's it's complex. I'm not going to lie. We are looking into. Um, sitting down with a charity expert to try and help us comb through a lot of what the PBCC is doing right now. And we're going to get her to help us um, really find the loopholes that they're jumping through that they shouldn't be jumping through. I mean, I guess not necessarily shouldn't be, but I mean, for a Christian church establishment, they shouldn't be. Is that? Well, I think the basic, I think the basic thing is that, if you analyze all the money that they take, um, gift receipted, tax receipted, tax-free money uh, that goes into their so-called charities, 
only about 2% of it actually benefits anyone outside of the church. Because yeah. all the rest is spent on their internal, you know, charitable enterprises. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're extremely wealthy. I mean, even their average, um, you know, their wages are very high. And there's very few genuine potential recipients for charitable funding within the church. And so they, they spend about, well, less than 2% of their money on the RRT, Rapid Relief Team, which does these very visible public hamburger fests. You know what they do? Uh, and, that, yeah. Can I, if I could just interject for a second, those RRT things. Ever since the beginning, I was like, "What does this remind me of?" Because I, I was like, "This is exactly like something." And then I remembered, um, when the, there's these companies that specialize in the act sponsorship activation, and they go to events and they have booths and they give away food, and it's literally taken from the playbook of that kind of like low level. Um, you know, well, here's what we can do, include in your marketing package as a, you know, as a corporation. Uh, we'll, we'll set you up with a tent and uh, we'll do it in a high traffic area where there'll be a lot of people and we'll give yeah. away food to attract them to the booth. It, it is yeah. like exactly like that. So that I found that yeah. interesting because that's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. what they do. I mean, we found an internal cult document or we were, we, we acquired, shall we say, an internal, internal cult document being the instructions on how to set up the 10 foot by 20 foot RR tent, including all the plans, a detailed list of what you had to do. And the number one instruction out of a list of, sort oh, of 15 steps you take, take to set it up is ensure the tent is sited for the best visibility to the public and the media. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, number one. that's exactly how a sponsorship so, activation contract works. Like you yeah. get your visibility. What's the media impressions? What's the line of yeah. sight? Like it's, it's, ex yeah. but that is pretty interesting because. Um, but you that's have worth, a normal like, charities. That's, that's worth like nothing. That would be worth like maybe three grand. Yeah, you know something like that. Like 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 if you were out there for like two hours with two staffers or whatever, three. But they had know, a brilliant matter. post. I mean, I we kind of watched all the the um Twitter RRT post. They're very active Twitter, and they donated a hundred snack packs to some oh Abbotsford, <laughs> probably Abbotsford, British Columbia, um fire. <laughs> station okay so they got 100 snack packs and like these are little packs so it's about seven cardboard boxes like shoebox size and they've got these stacked up in a kind of a pyramid as much as you can make a pyramid out of seven shoeboxes they and confess it's a sunny day <laughs> they confess in the way they communicate i told you this is the pyramid scheme confession go on well there you go yeah. it was a yeah. pyramid scheme but but this is the joke it was a beautiful sunny day clear blue sky and over the top of this pyramid of boxes which stood about three feet tall is a 10 by 20 foot bright red rrt tent and next to it is the great big fire engine and all the firemen lined up and a couple of like cheesy looking rrt blokes standing next to it so they even have a 10 by 20 foot tent just to hand over 100 snack packs wow <laughs> it's that's the thing that's the issue i have with it is I have this huge issue. I kind of have nothing wrong. I have no issue with, with charities. I have nothing. Go give, give, give. But if you're professing to be a Christian church, a mainstream Christian church, and at every single opportunity that you get to give charity to somebody, that you have to have a picture taken and published, I just don't get the point of 
having to have all this publicity, like, and, and that's how you can tell that ROT simply is just a facade for what they do behind it. I mean, actually, yeah. on that presentation, um, the one they just had, the GFT Trust presentation, in all the blah about RRT on there, they actually said the RRT is highly important for maintaining the external reputation of yeah. the church. And I thought, well, that's a, an interesting word to use. Why would they say external reputation? Why not just say reputation? Yeah. And the answer yeah. is, of course, because they all know and everyone knows that the what's inside the church is totally different from the external reputation they like to project. Yeah. Um, so I have something here. This is an old one that you sent me, Cheryl, and it says, uh, the RT displays care and compassion to people in crisis. <laughs> Pro- like these people are eating hot dogs, um, providing free catering assistance, eating hot dogs, tangible support to emergency services. They, they got water. That's what that means. Uh, government and charitable organizations. RT volunteers, volunteers are mobilized across the globe, mobilized across the globe. <clears throat> um, sorry, <sighs> to serve where and when it is needed most. And I mean, they do things like, uh, you know, oh, the, the, the fire, you know, like the firefighters in small towns, uh, and I know they did Winnipeg and stuff, but the firefighters in small towns, like they'll just stand in the middle of the road and block traffic with a big boot. And then people drive by and put money in the boot. I don't know if they do that where you guys are, but that's <laughs> yeah, what they yeah, do. Yeah, they do that here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I find it, um, it's weird. It's like sort of half affable, half mafia. It's like you you imagine because I could easily picture a mafia guy be like, wait, wait, you can just fucking do that. You can just stop traffic and just get, give me your fucking money and just they do it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I need to get a piece of that. Like that that's what they would say. Um, anyways, th- this this RRT, the rapid relief team, is is essentially a a, a marketing team that um uses volunteers i didn't realize that um you know oh, that yeah. these volunteers and they're counting that as a, a part of their expense for to 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 write it off as and to maintain a charitable status isn't that basically it oh 100 mm-hmm. yeah 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 wow they, they is- created rrt when their charity status was suspended back in when was that richard 2000 oh, about 2012 2014 in the yeah, uk something yeah. Like that. yeah 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 Okay. Um, anyway, we're, let, we're getting off the spinach, James. Yes, I was just so thank you for the hard thank you for the hard bit where I have to wipe my mouth now. Um, but the 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 main reason we are here tonight um is the breaking story out of Australia, and I keep laughing and I keep on reminding myself that people were hurt, right? Like um, you know, this wasn't uh this wasn't a good thing. So this was the headline farm that harvested contaminated spinach was previously accused of poor weed control. Okay. I'm going to read it to you with that headline there. A Victorian farm that produced a batch of contaminated spinach that left hundreds of Australians sick was accused in a legal dispute in 2018 of poor weed control and other substandard farming practices. I'm pretty sure this is like the follow-up article to the breaking news of this uh, company. More than 200 people across Australia, including a child who was hospitalized in Queensland, Queensland, have suffered toxic reactions, including headaches, nausea, and hallucinations after consuming the spinach harvested at Rip. I can't, I, I don't know why I laugh at this story. Harvested at Riviera Farms near Bamesdale in East Gippsland. The bag of spinach, the bags of spinach were recalled from supermarkets when the alarm was raised on Saturday. I'm going to scroll down a little bit too with the point um, where we want to sort of focus our attention. Actually, you know what? I'll just read it. <clears throat> 
first of all, um, I didn't know they owned farms. Do they own farms everywhere? Is that one yeah, of their yeah, things? They, I know they, one of those things is like they, they're like tier two builders. They like will do roofs yeah. and they'll do like you know other things like like uh, you know that that isn't the original construction, but they do a lot of that landscaping and stuff. And 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 is farming one of those common industries that they have across the globe? Yeah, yeah, it's it's not very common, but yeah, there would be a lot of brethren farmers and ranchers and all different kinds of farming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to get through this a little bit quicker. Late on Wednesday, the company released a statement admitting the spinach batch in question had been contaminated by thorn apple, also known as Jimson weed. I feel like we're talking about the Shire and these are hobbits. Um, that's the yeah. Lord of the Rings reference, Richard. Um, anyways, the plant uh, is... I read Lord of the Rings, James. It's oh, there not you go. just a film. It was originally a book. What's a book? I'm just kidding. <laughs> The plant is. Po- I work in a library. That's kind of funny. Um, the plant is poisonous to people and livestock, and consumption of it can dilate pupils, high temperatures, incoherence, or hallucinations. Sounds like a mushroom trip. Vomiting, breathing problems, and convulsions. That does not. In 2018, Riviera Farms became embroiled in a legal dispute after it sued agrochemical companies Syngenta and Ascensi, alleging its carrot and corn crops had been wiped out by contaminated herbicides. The Age and Sydney Morning Herald can reveal that in 2019, an agricultural consultant hired by Lander and Rogers, the law firm representing Syngenta in the case, disputed the evidence provided by Riviera Farms. The expert alleged instead that several paddocks at Riviera Farms demonstrated poor weed control and irrigation, along with deficient chemical hygiene practices and waterlogging. So they cut corners, right? That's basically yeah. what they're saying. They cut corners and poisoned a bunch of Australians. And I find it really symbolic. Um, I, I think that is, you know, the the, the, the sick Australians are about fifty five thousand strong. I think, well, exactly. and I'm not I'm not branding them in, in an evil way. I'm saying the leadership is evil, and they have an army of people that are under the spell of these leaders, and um, and it's not good for them. And it's it reminds me of like you know food poisoning of the brain, you know, mm-hmm. basically. And um, but it's also delightfully funny for some reason. I don't know. Do you either? I, do you I mean, find I was it funny? thinking like one school. I mean, these brethren schools. They better have a look at their students and see if their pupils are dilated, isn't they? Well, yeah. I wonder how many of them are are high just like all the time because of what they go through at home. Like you know, because they the brethren are probably not. They're not like they don't really know what to look for. What are the signs? Of drug use, they probably have a pamphlet, but they but they don't really know what to look for, and they're drunk yeah, all the would, time, anyways, yeah. Richard. Well, yeah, the, the the alcohol masks the other symptoms. Yeah, um, it was funny because uh, when I was uh, a reporter for the uh, this one story that I was doing, I would record a lot of phone calls, and I was still drinking back then. So all of these f- recorded phone calls with interview subjects and sources, you can hear the rattling of my ice cubes as I'm drinking, right? <laughs> and, I, and I realized that, uh, that when you showed, pointed out that Bruce Hale, you can hear the ice cubes when he was delivering that thing uh, with, the, with the charity, with the uh, vision fund where he's trying to grift and shake the localities by the ankles to the tune of a half billion dollars that he could also, he was also heard with the swilling his whiskey and the, the ice cubes rattling. And it made me um, that much more cemented in my decision to not drink because I don't want to feel like I have anything in common with that man. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) He is such a gross pig. I I, I don't, I've been watching um, culty kind of stuff uh, lately and and 
am amazed by a lot of the comparisons. The one thing that I don't imagine the brethren doing, unless they feel like the law is squeezing them, is like, and, and this is the best thing I can say about the brethren, is that it doesn't. they don't feel like a cult that will eventually start preaching about the end times. Or am I totally off base on that? Oh, no, no, they're always preaching about the end times. No, no, oh. they're very, they're, 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 that's oh, the strange thing. They, that's another but, box they check for cultiness. But okay, well, yes, on. I mean, the strange thing about that last presentation that everyone was commenting on, like the ex-brethren were commenting on, is that there was all this blah about, oh, yes, we're going to finance the church and our lifestyle for a very long time. And we thought, well, this is new ministry, because usually the rapture is just about to happen. But obviously mm -hmm. they've realized that if they get too close to the end time, then people might start slacking off, you know, and think we can just cruise the last few miles. So they've put the rapture back a bit. But they, I was just listening to part of the Levitical meetings that happened um whatever that was, but I was listening to part of the recordings of it. And Bruce is in there talking about, you know, how, we don't know how much time we have left, right? I mean, he uses those as, that's just a fear-mongering scare tactic of like, let's make as much money because we don't know how much time we have left. Yeah. I, di I didn't know that. And now and now I'm, I'm happy that I do because it just, make, it just you know, it, it says everything. Like, the, you know, I, I don't look for ways to, to, to sort of give them breaks or anything like that. I just, I, you know, but because they do check every box you know that's what i was saying i was watching the thing um i think of the sins of the mother it's called and it's about uh the 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 church of jesus christ and latter-day saints mm, yeah and how crazy that is like there's so many of them that that say that you know i talk to angels all the time and, and the angels give me directives that i'd like to now pass on to you it's just like oh my gosh right <laughs> yeah. and um you know so it feels like there's they, they harm now that maybe the reason why I laugh involuntarily at the spinach stories because it you know they have found a way to not just poison your minds and your souls and your children and your self worth and your ambition but also your body. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've already got your liver, this is just finishing your brain off. That's yeah. right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, and it reminded you, Richard, of, you sent it to me. Let me see where it is. Uh, another article he found. Yeah. Yeah. Was it this one? No. This? No. Yes. Yeah, that one. So, Richard, can you read that? Because I'm not familiar with it. And I don't yeah, want to yeah. butcher it. Yeah. Well, this is the, 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 the Rajneeshi bioterror attack, which was that crazy cult down in um, Oregon or wherever it was. Um, there was a famous Netflix article all about it, Wild Wild Country, uh, Netflix docu-series. And, um, yeah, I mean, this was one of these kind of a little bit like a Jonestown cult, but instead of killing off themselves, they decided to kill off the rest of the world. And they were messing around in um, biological warfare. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they tried it out by spraying some potent uh, salmonella broth they'd brewed up they sprayed it over the over local salad bars over the sort of buffet salad bar and they managed to make 751 people suffer food poisoning as a result um i mean i'm not suggesting what the brethren did was actually deliberate but it's kind of an interesting parallel it would be um, inter interesting uh, to know say who... it's not the first time a cult has managed to poison a large number of the members of the public that's right 
and Jonestown. We all, you know, where the Kool Aid reference comes from. Mm. Uh, well, and, it's Chinese uh, Kool Aid. It's a wash, isn't it? But it would be interesting to find out who the victims are and if they have anything in common. You know, that would be, oh, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. that would be mm -hmm. beneficial. But I mean, there's a serious side to this, and that is, you might say, and I'm sure the brethren would argue, why is it being fingered? in the newspaper article that this was owned by a member of the Plymouth Brethren Church. I think it says a well-respected member of the Plymouth Yeah, at the very Church. bottom it points it out. Um, yeah, just read that bit, James, because that's, yeah. that's the crux of it. Riviera Farms is directed by Nelson Cox, a respected local elder of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, the director of the Bairnsdale campus of the Brethren School, and a trustee of the Church Hall Trust. Well, now they kind of, yeah. Now the like Brethren, they didn't have to say that. No. The Brethren would say this is unfair because, you know, if it was a Catholic that owned the farm, you wouldn't say, well, the farmer's a Catholic, as if there was some connection. But of course, in, the, in this case, and in any case where it's the brethren flaunting regulations, there is a very strong reason. And that is because the brethren have no respect for authorities, local authorities, safety regulations, because they yeah. believe they're above the law. And it's absolutely typical. I mean, there's been a whole string of horrific accidents, some fatal and some involving children on brethren run building construction sites. And it all comes down to their disregard of authority. They they think they're above health and safety regulations. They think they don't apply to them. And the other thing that, that makes the brethren particularly dangerous people to be around is that they they have in their minds this two-tier sort of apartheid view of humanity. There's us and there's those dirty people out there. Uh, and I'll give you an example of how that works. Um, uh, after a particularly unpleasant road accident where someone was killed, um, a mother was killed, um, um, and the you know, brethren were talking about this. It wasn't a brethren member in, in the accident. Um, um, a, a, a sister, a lady in the brethren, a nice person, said to me, well, you know, it was only a worldly person that was killed. <laughs> As if that made a difference, you know. And I mean, this Ma is the kind of brethren attitude... And I can almost hear them saying it now in in Australia. The brethren will be saying, "Oh well, it was only worldly people that got poisoned." You know? In that one document, I, they referred to them as worldlings. Yeah, is that children? Yeah. No, is no, that no, children? No, worldlings just means anyone, anyone who's not brethren. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that very, is very Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That's a book I read. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Halflings or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The. Yeah. I mean. It's, I, I'm, I'm out of, I'm out of the uh, emotion that causes surprise when it comes to the brethren. Yeah, um, you know, and there, I'm, was, there uh, was another case. There was another yeah. case of mass poisoning by a brethren company that also came down to their attitudes and and lack of morals. And that, of course, was the Deprox case that I was involved in, mm. where probably hundreds uh, of hospital workers were poisoned by hydrogen peroxide and silver nitrate that they inhaled from a brethren designed and manufactured disinfection machine. And the owners of the company knew perfectly well what it was doing, but they just didn't care. They were making a good profit. So they just carried on and bluffed their way through.
didn't they wasn't it worse didn't they get a, like a like a, a a government contract and then not actually do what they were supposed to do with oh yeah government? that was the same company a few years later yeah they got they got i think it was 127 million contract from the nhs to supply robes and masks um and 124 million this is pounds <laughs> not dollars 124 million of that has now been marked up by the government as unusable which is a lot of money and, and now here I'm, I'm going to make a prediction that that company they used to be called hygiene solutions and after the kind of scandal about their poisoning hospital workers blew up they quickly changed their name and their branding and now they're called innovos now i'm going to bet that rivera farms is is going to play the same trick there's probably going yeah. to be a huge class action lawsuit if they're very lucky, their insurers might take care of it. But you won't see Rivera Farms brand around again. It'll be called something else. Oh, yeah. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. They remind me of the Freemasons, you know? Like a bum, you know, you guys know the free who the Freemasons are, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Richard, I don't know if you, if you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, like, I know who they are. Yeah, like a brotherhood. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. You know, they. It's a weird kind of um, legend that they have. I guess I would say because it seems like, you know, it, it, it they created a mystique behind the brand of the Freemasons, where back in the day it was like Leonardo da Vinci was one of the original Freemasons. Mm. You go through history, and now it's like your friends. Dad, Henry, happens to be for for some reason. <laughs> you know, but he's he's an IT guy, you know, or something, and it doesn't have the same ring to it as it used to. But in essence, though, the 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 underpinning of the whole idea of the Freemason use their own um, social circle as a way to benefit each other uh, politically and business and and, and uh, you know business wise and socially, just very insulated and you know to the benefit of itself and itself only yes yeah that, and, that, that, that is it is a similar concept yeah yeah and, and the formula similar. that i mean you know as i as i watch all these documentaries about uh about all these different cults and religions that are that are that do what they do it, the thing that they always have in common is the greed and the hypocrisy on the very top and yeah. the bizarre way in which, as a worldling, I look from the outside in and kind of like I feel sad and angry and also really confused because I can't imagine being in that position and, and being like, yes, this makes sense. <laughs> I'll just give you money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, you have to be born into it, really. I mean, the... the the level of indoctrination that can be achieved in someone that's actually born into a cult is much higher than you can reasonably expect to produce in someone who joins as an adult. Yeah, you, I mean, people nowadays wouldn't get away, like Bruce wouldn't get away with what he gets away with if you weren't born into it, right? Yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's doing what he's doing because he's now got a multi-generational cult that is very severely indoctrinated into 
um, all the layers that it's, I did and layers of the leaders before him. He's honestly, he's just been planning this. He's got a complete free pass with 55,000 mm-hmm. brains in there that he can just maneuver and do what he needs to do. I mean, right down to the fact today we had, we recorded a podcast today um, and the guest was talking about um, someone, a couple people who had, had committed suicide inside there. And his whole response was, was, well, don't attach any stigma to it. And they had to hide why she, why they passed away. And right to the point where he actually said, well, she would have regretted it at the last minute. Like as if he was God. Bruce, Bruce says this. Yeah, Bruce Hale. Yeah, Bruce said this. Like as if he was God and he's telling people that, that he knew what she was thinking in the last minute. Honestly, she yeah. was probably thinking, hell, I'm like out of here. Mm, right? Yeah. But it's just... Like the level of indoctrination that Bruce has inside there is that nobody questions some of the most utterly chaotic and intrusive indoctrination possible. I think Cheryl makes a very good point. And the way to kind of think of it is if you were to take all the brethren away from Bruce and drop him into some completely fresh country, he would never oh, be yeah. able to oh, gather no. around mm-hmm. himself any kind of a cult. Yeah, he might find a few halfwits who would trot along if he spewed some dollars out. The only reason he has this control is because he's inherited it. Like you yeah. said, like you pointed out, he's not a charismatic person. Mm. Yeah. He's about as charismatic as a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, we all know yeah. vacuum cleaner. And because he he came along and he offered them a lot of freedom when he came in, like they got that's when they got their laptops and phones and all these things that were never allowed in before then. So he gave them all this candy inside a jail cell that he was just making that much more stronger. Mm. You know, I wonder like, how much they he no- makes. I wonder how much he makes a month on on those. What do they call those? Like. Those monthly parties where they celebrate giving money they can't afford yeah, to yeah, Bruce. Yeah, yeah, the care oh, meeting. Oh, on care meeting, care meeting, yeah. Every care the meeting. first first Saturday of every month is care meeting, and everybody gives their money away. So even if everybody only yeah. it, there are fifty five thousand strong, I know a bunch of them are children, <clears throat> but let's just say fifty five thousand. Even if it was just ten bucks a person, it's still a half a million bucks a month that he that he probably mm-hmm. would make. Do, do you yeah, think but, it's that high? Like like. But from you got to think. I'm guessing I'm guessing there's probably like five hundred dollars per locality per month on average, and there's what about three hundred and fifty localities. So what does that come to? Anyone got a calculator? Like one twenty, something like that. So let, let, let's do some here. I think it's like one twenty. One twenty what? Thousand. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. So so one hundred twenty thousand a month. So let, let's just do this. 500 times 350 equals 175,000. That's a month. So, so that's 175,000. Yeah. So 2.1 million a year. And he's been doing this for how long? 20 years now. Wow. So, yeah. So they, they, a... they've handed him uh, at least $42 million already just for doing nothing. Didn't you personally like give him like a couple of hundred grand? And isn't that kind of what you didn't you try to figure out what you spent? I thought oh, maybe I a, yeah, I, I put hundreds of thousands into the school system. Yes, over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. It's like, like those stories. Like, you know, I don't know how many people are. Uh, I don't know how common that is, Richard. Inside to to yeah, very. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's the money I'm talking about. Like that's a lot more than 500 bucks a month. You know what I mean? That, that's... Yeah. And 500 is low, but I, I get it. So they collect. So every Sunday is where this money that they divvy up on care meet and Saturday is collected every Sunday at, um, what do you want to call it? Communion. I guess you guys would know it as, as they call it the Lord's supper. Right. Right. And so where every kid, every person puts money into a bucket, right? Yeah. It was, it, I, I grew up Catholic and yeah, that's, that's the way it was. And, and they were like baskets on long sticks that could reach to the middle yeah. of the pew. They, they don't, right. They don't have the sticks and, that passed hand to hand. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, had the long, we had the long yeah, sticks. Yeah. I think we also had the hand to hand ones too, but I remember even as a kid being like, what, like just, you just we're just going to give our cash to these people and then walk away. And then when I got older and I knew people that worked in the service industry, bartenders and stuff that used to get like the tax man would be so all over them because they knew they got paid in tips. So they did yeah. like, there'd be extra scrutiny on their tax return or whatever. And meanwhile, every Sunday, the Catholic church, you know, okay. would be like, yeah. like <laughs> taking baskets and baskets of just cold, hard cash disappearing behind the fucking altar. And everyone's yeah. just like, Oh, I'm sure they're going to do the greatest things ever with that money. You know? And, and we just, and, it, and then they just get to do it for free and everyone just leaves them alone because, and I do want to circle back to this a lot, because of the way that we treat the freedom of religion and the freedom of expression in this country uh, and, and in Western countries is subservient to religion. It's it's not, I don't think this, like the spirit of the law should not be that as long as you guys, you know, um, I don't even know what the rules are for religion. As long as you guys believe in an omnipotent being, we'll leave you alone. Yeah, yeah, pretty <laughs> much it. Um, I, I, and I, I, I know, I know maybe I'm tangenting here a little bit, but like, I really do feel that there, uh, there should be some sort of mechanism that we put in place to make it that religions can't operate like mafias yeah. where if you want to be a part of organized religion, I truly believe that you should have to register as a member of an organized religion, the same way you might register to be a person that contributes to a charity or that you might register to uh own a gun or whatever um i think that if you need to if you get to claim tax-free status and you get to um you know uh, treat people uh, it, it, with a modicum of respect then you should probably have something in place to safeguard you of that in, in the way that like unions safeguard people or the charter of rights and freedoms <laughs> safeguards people these um these companies and and the brethren itself in the in in the way that you guys were raised in the localities themselves all again speaks back to that thing that necessity of having some sort of coercion law on the books yep because mm -hmm. if you took how they're treated and you take the exact behaviors and put it in a workplace environment they would be violating countless labor laws yeah every rule every rule yeah yep. and i don't understand why I mean, I do, but I, I don't understand why we still allow religion to circumvent those kinds of like basic human rights. Sure. Do you know, this is my biggest thing with, um, I mean, there's so much ruckus that has happened politically right now, right? Like there's this freedom of religion, freedom of religion, freedom of religion. And I have, I honestly, I have always voted conservative. My husband worked in the oil patch, so I supported his job. I, this is my biggest plea to people who are so on the, the right side of things right now is that be careful of what you wish for. I don't even know who the heck to vote for anymore because I don't know what, I don't even know where to put it. But I do know that if we give power to these people that are just pushing this freedom of religion, 
you are going to wish that you had listened to what is happening and what we are all trying to uncover because that freedom of religion without coercion control added to it and with clauses not added to it is going to give people like Pierre, people that um, Stephen Harper, yes, I know he's still in the background, but it's those people are grasping a hold of that law or that freedom of religion. And they are going to, the power that they are, what they want to do with it, the power that they're going to have with it is is just allows the, the the whole concept of the PBCC to be infiltrated into many other places. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe that. So I'm just saying, like, I I I don't people because of COVID and because of everything that has happened that people are like, okay, yeah, we want we want the conservatives in. We got the conservatives, conservatives, conservatives. But you know what? Just really realize of what their one of their biggest things that they're pushing for is this freedom of religion. And yes, people should have freedom of religion, but that freedom of religion has to come with coercion control and it's got to have a list of clauses. Otherwise, you guys are going to be swimming in the same fucking ocean as we are. And I apologize for swearing, but you're going to be swimming in the same ocean as we are. Can you do me a favor? First of all, that was a good that was a good rant. I enjoyed that. And also, can you apologize to me for apologizing? This is blackballed. You don't need to fucking apologize. I'm sorry. I'm trying to clean up my language. They're listening in there and I need them to take me seriously. Uh, Just say what you feel. Um, Richard, uh, can you add anything to that? Go ahead. No, no, I think that's that's 100% true. And I I, I mean, the reason the conservatives are pushing freedom of religion largely is because they are being paid. They they get a lot of money from these religions and and that's the payback. The religions basically say you push freedom of religion and we'll financial campaign. Not necessarily yes. that the politicians are religious. It's that they're being their puppet masters, if you like. Their financial sources are extremely religious. And, and this is how the payback works. Well, they've also historically been uh, and this is hugely important too. the the politi- the political ends are obviously tied directly with provincial and federal conservative governments. They just are. Um, I, I don't think I've seen one example of a liberal or NDP led province where they had people um, uh, where they had Plymouth owned companies getting sole source contracts yeah. uh, under the guise of some front company that has nothing to do with the with the with medical equipment in, in, in that specific case. So, you know, one of the things obviously would be, Cheryl, uh, you may have voted conservative in the past for the oil patch, but um, really, at the end of the day, if I was in your province, I would not be voting for a conservative uh, party, Um, you know, just because you, uh, not you personally, but they're the only party that seems to have a hold uh, or or the type of interconnectedness with the Plymouth Brethren, uh, you know, uh, where, oh, yeah. where, it re- and, where it results in, in, in enrichment mm-hmm. for the brother. Go ahead. Yeah. And that's why I will never vote conservative ever again. Like, mm. I mean, it was a hard thing for me to give up, right? Like, it's just, we live in Red Deer. We live in Alberta. Like, this is, we're in conservative land, right? Um, Not that I agreed with all of their principles, but I did it. There was a reason why I did it that way. And as soon as I found out this stuff, I was like, how, like, this has to be exposed. How can anyone... So after hearing our stories, how can you turn around and support these people that are literally being funded by the people who sat there and abused me for how many years, hit it, and are still hiding the, pedo- the, the pedophile that's in there? That's what I want to put out. Sorry, I get really passionate about this because it's Never just, apologize. I could, 
Yeah. I could cry over this because I'm the, the, the people in Maple Creek are very conservative. Um, they're very conservative in there. And all I'm asking everybody who has formally voted conservative is that you are supporting the group that is funded by the PBCC that are hiding hundreds of sexual abuse. I mean, the, the, the emails that I've received recently I mean, I say this every time. It would make you go to a corner and curl up with a blanket. Well, I'm telling you that you're going to need more than just a blanket that's curled up in the corner. Like you cannot, we have to stop this. We cannot have it. And I'm not saying the other side is just as good. I don't know, right? Like I'm literally in the abyss when it comes to political. Um, I feel like I don't, I don't know where I stand anymore. All I do know is that I will never, ever give my vote to those that have been supported by the PBC again. Never. It, it, you know, there, there's a lot of things in politics uh, that parties and leaders look at. Um, and one of those, uh, one of the big items, a pillar of strategy for, for every single party is how to reach single issue voters. But some parties know how to create single issue voters. Yeah. You know, where, and, and I think, um, you know, you fire on all cylinders. And, and, and the political aspect of all this would be, the same as the media aspect. So they suffer from the same thing. The, the politicians unsurprisingly um, are unethical and if they have any principles, trade them away for that relationship for whatever reason, the quid pro quo being, um, you know, many things, you know, uh, from uh, the brethren being like a bunch of satellite offices of boiler room operations during elections for conservative parties. That's one thing. That's one value that they have in the um, I'm sure when a contract is worth $125 million, that there is some sort of briefcase opening in some parking garage in Calgary. Yeah. You know, it, it's 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 many things like that. But to to reach votes, the media, um, because the media and 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 you know uh, the the politicians do suffer from the same thing, which is. They don't know how to approach something that seems to have tentacles everywhere. And they're so cautious, the media is, um, this deferential treatment, like as if there's someone to be reckoned with or respected, is one of the biggest tragedies about this story. Because that's the reason why it's still happening, is because the media doesn't want to tell the mm -hmm. story. They, they don't yeah. want to dig. I'm so confused by it. I, I you know, I, I think that if it was a... Um, a more visibly like right wing organization that had all the same um, characteristics that they would be all over it. Yeah. But this is different. And I, and I, they don't have the courage to do it. I don't know. Uh, you know, I didn't mean to pivot into the media part of this, but really no, that's no. at the center yeah. of everything that we talk about. When our frustration yeah. is born out of that absence. Would you, would you agree with that, Richard? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, I think it will change. I mean, as they see more and more stuff coming out, pioneered by people like you, eventually they will realize that, you know... This White rappers actually, who are addicted yeah, to drugs? Yeah, yeah, even, even these rap-hop people, yeah. Um, rap-hop. <laughs> I do think, too, though, Richard, wouldn't you say that once class-action lawsuits get going, I mean, I'm just going to come out there and bluntly say yeah, it, yeah, once yeah. the class-action lawsuits get going... The, the media will jump on board. I do believe the media yeah, yeah, is once waiting something for goes, Once something's in court or there's actually a lawyer mm -hmm. involved who will stand. I mean, you saw that in that Caitlin Erickson, that Saskatoon school. Yeah. 
once yeah. they actually got a lawyer on the podium, yeah, then they had all the microphones yeah. in front of the guy, didn't they? I mean, they know, the media know perfectly well that at some point um, your abuser is going to come to court. And they know that the story will keep. It'll be just as good yeah. a story then as it is now. So they're just playing safe. But once it's reached yeah. that stage, yes, they'll be there. Of course, they'll be there. Uh, Cheryl, but, yeah. we're, we're going to wrap in about 10 minutes or so, but you sent me a bunch of stuff and I honestly don't know how to what, make heads or tails of it. So, so I'm going to flash them up and you're going to explain what they're yeah. No, Richard's going to go ahead and explain this. Yeah, so, so this, this relates to the, um, the Bruce Hales half billion dollar grift. Um, and this is the kind of umbrella organization behind it. It's called the GFT Fundraising Presentation. And I'm not even sure what GFT stands for. Probably... Good General fucking time. Funding trust or something anonymous. And, and at the end, they're, they're, this is their logo, and I, I kind of like the fact that underneath GFT it says transparency, which is going to be exactly the last thing you're ever going to get from any kind of brethren financial organisation. And, yeah. and uh, if we move on to the next, what's it? I'll explain. I'll explain what's going on here. Okay, so after Bruce Hales had waffled on at length about this. Um, endowment fund plan he had and how they were going to get just um, um, half a billion dollars and get a 20% return on it and that was going to fund the whole ecosystem forever after, which is, of course, complete bullshit. Um, following up from that presentation, they sent every single PBCC member um, a, a pledge form to say how much they're going to give and you know, where they want the money to go. So this is a clip from the pledge form. And if you look, it says, I'd like to recommend that all or a portion of my nation of my donation go to a specific entity. And then they got various brethren charities there. And the one that's the one that I highlighted on the form is 501 VF Vision Foundation. Now, if you look right at the bottom of the screen there, it says all entities other than campus trading capex are tax deductible so what they're saying is that if you donate to any of these except that one campus trading capital expenses fund you get a tax receipt because it's charitable giving so that what they're saying here very clearly is if you give to the vision foundation endowment fund then they will give you a canadian tax receipt and you can deduct that from your tax return and you know get all the charitable giving tax benefits now, this is illegal. Um, well, I haven't done anything illegal yet, but if they take money, and this is just a pledge form, if they actually take the money from the Brethren and give it to the Vision Foundation and they give the Brethren the, um, the tax-deductible receipt like they promised, that would be illegal because, firstly, Vision Foundation is not a Canadian charity. Um, it is an Australian corporation. And it's very easy to find. We we found their we found their Australian official registration page. Um, and and two things. Firstly, you can't get a tax receipt if your money is being sent to um, a, another organisation overseas, except in very special circumstances. I mean, that's what the Mormons were doing. There was a big fuss about it because they were taking donations in Canada sending them to this university in the USA. Mm. Now, in that case, it was legal because certain large universities have an exemption if they have Canadian students. But there's, you certainly cannot take 
a charitable gift in Canada and send it to a private Australian endowment fund in Australia and get a Canadian um, tax deductible receipt for it. And now yeah. to, to even further to that, if you look up the on, under the it's called ABN Australian Business Number. If you look up on the um, Australian Business Number, like the government site where all the registered companies yep. are listed, and you look up Vision Foundation, you find it clearly states on there on that on the government page about that organization that it can't receive uh, tax deductible gifts. So even if you're in Australia, you can't get a tax receipt uh, for oh, giving wow. money to the Vision Foundation. But so it says it, it, yeah, and it, but it actually points out that only one of them is not tax deductible, which is the, the campus, uh, trading. campus trading cape. Camp. Yeah, capital, Cap capital. CapEx means, I guess, capital expenses or something. <laughs> So Jesus-y. Anyways, yes, right. what, yeah. uh, there's that. What's this? I've yeah. already read that one. What's this one? Yeah. Oh, no, no, you're, you're going, this is, this is, um, this is old stuff. The RRT. That's oh, RRT. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is RRT. Okay. Um, oh, RRT. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot more. Yeah. yeah. This is the one we were referring to earlier. I'll go back. Go back, okay. go back one. Go back one. This one? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Number okay. one. Number <laughs> one. This is setting up the RRT tent. Read it out, James. Prior to setup, check with incident controller you are in correct location for amount of hours required. Aim for good exposure to media and public. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, that's their first priority. Right? Number the one. Yeah, number one. Yeah. Make sure that the media sees you. Second one, are uh, the uniforms with the caps on, yeah, including aprons. So this is the dress code. Um, then set up the tent with two people. Apparently, two takes two. It doesn't because I've done it. Um, set up serving tables with RT table covers, and the fact that they're volunteers is hilarious because I bet you there's an expense report. You know, yeah. I'm speculating this might not be true. Allegedly, allegedly, but I, you know, there's some expense reports out there that show what the value would be up to, like yeah. even if it was minimum wage workers, and they probably claim that. Uh, you know, yeah. as, as a cost or whatever. I think actually they've revised this now. There's an extra line at the bottom saying, check the salad for poisonous weeds. <laughs> <laughs> for, uh, for Jimmy, for, for, for whatever for that hobbit weeds. plant yeah. was. That uh, yeah. sorry, It's yeah. a horrific plant. Another name for it is devil's snare, rather appropriately. Yeah. I remember yeah. when I was in BC, there was something called the Devil's Club. Uh, and the Devil's Club in BC was where I, I had a job where I was uh, clearing creeks. And oh. we would have to climb like literal mountainsides. We'd get dropped off by the helicopter on the top of the snow mountain in July and then work our way down and creating a river as we go. Right. Oh. And I got caught on this like mini cliff once and I grabbed a handful of Devil's Club. And it's oh. called Devil's Club because I'm sorry about the aside, um, but, but it's called Devil's Club because it's these thorns that go into you and then break. And wow. then the and then it just comes out like two, three days later. And it's just like they they rise to the surface of your skin. And you just sit there with tweezers, and it's like porcupine quills. Oh, but miniature. yeah, Anyways. yeah. But yeah, uh, that reminded me of that. Well, okay, um, let's wrap here because uh, you know, how many more adjectives do you got in you? Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, um, was there anything like that I left out? Oh, there's lots more that could be said, but yeah, well, there's, there's there's another day, isn't there? To, to like yeah, we're gonna up. dive into the, we're gonna dive into the Strive Twenty Three one day, one soon. I just yeah. gotta yeah. Like, um, go through all the recordings. 
I want to thank you guys for this week because this week was, uh, you know, I wanted to put as much in as I could before Christmas. I'm still going to keep going um, because I think that there are, there are I, I've changed my format a little bit where I just want to kind of um, drips and drabs like death by a thousand cuts and, and do as many stories as possible. And, um, and I thank you guys because you guys are my main, you know, source for all this information. Um, you guys uh, give me your time and you have this week uh, to the tune of a few hours. So I appreciate that a lot. And uh, no, we, we, should, we should thank our beloved Mr. Bruce for continuing, yeah, to for do providing so much, us, yeah, for continuing to do so much weird, illegal shit that it keeps James and the rest of us in business. That's right. And you know what? Most we appreciate all the insiders, we appreciate yeah. everybody on the inside that are constantly emailing us and sending us recordings. And yeah. you know, I yeah, know that coming. Bruce. Yeah, Bruce is having a, you know, frantic attack right now trying to figure out where they all are. But I have to tell you, Bruce, yeah. we have them all over. You're never going to yeah, get no, just no. one. We have moles yeah, all like, over. Be like trying to pick all the thorn apple out of your baby spinach, Bruce, because they're just everywhere, you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that was blasphemous um, in the best way possible. Richard Marsh, Cheryl Hope, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll probably see you again in like an hour when we do another podcast about the Plymouth Brethren. <laughs> Have a good Christmas, everyone. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. See okay. you guys. Take care. <clears throat> okay. Cheryl Hope and Richard Marsh, thank you again. Um, as always, uh, you know, that was fun. Um, it's good to be good-hearted about Plymouth Brethren Christian church stories now because there's just there's just so many of them. Honestly, we have... I have enough content for like another 20 shows because we just started to look at it differently. Um, and instead of just trying to gravitate towards the big stories that might break, I'm just going to continue. Like we have, there's so many things to choose from because they're active politically and from a business perspective in the UK uh, to a huge extent in Canada to a pretty big, uh, the, the margins in Canada actually are really big because they have four different provinces that give them contracts. Um, the Australian stories are always coming out. New Zealand stories are always coming out. So we just like, we could just pick. And, uh, you know, I think it's really important to, to look at this uh, group as one thing. Um, and you know, it's funny. I never intended to, to have like this niche as a podcast subject because I still interview rappers and journalists. And <clears throat> I've been focusing lately on interviewing people from Ukraine. I have a guest uh, coming up in the next couple of days that I should tell you about soon. And uh, yeah, and we have uh, actually, if I can ask you guys to go to uh, my Spotify or wherever you want to go to YouTube to watch the interview um, that I did, that I was really kind of uh, impressed so much with the person that I was interviewing. And her name is, I don't want to get the pronunciation of the last name wrong. Uh, Olena Halushka. I interviewed her I think two days ago again her name is elena halushka and she was so i don't know authentic i guess i want to say very passionate about what she does um she you know she's the co-founder of a group that uh, um you know wants to uh do away with political corruption or a board member and you know, she she has such a high level of patriotism for her country, which was in, obviously invaded by a much larger military. And, um, you know, she was emotional on the show and she, uh, you know, she she cried a little bit. And it was like, I, I think I mentioned to her that 
you know, uh, listening to her talk, despite the fact that she, there were tears, that she really emanated this like strength and this patriotism. And uh, anyways, uh, I'm going to I'm going to start talking about that, about the uh, kind of most rewarding, not the most rewarding, I want to rank, but the memorable interview of the week sort of thing. And um, and for this week, it would definitely be Elena Halishka. Um, like I said, she uh, she just sort of embodies that kind of Ukrainian spirit that we've been hearing about. Um, the same kind of spirit that Alex has, you know, and just uh, do, coming at it from a totally different perspective. So um, I encourage you to go take a look at that uh, Elena Halushka interview and uh, and maybe let me know what you think. Uh, what day is it? Thursday, Friday. Do I have anyone tomorrow? Oh, I have casual Friday tomorrow. Oh, that's such see that. This is the face of a person who just experienced a sigh of relief because I don't have to do any work for tomorrow's show. Not a lick of it. What happens? Uh, what happened last week is that uh, Casual Friday began, and then Ryan, um, who is just the greatest um, guy ever, because uh, he, you know, he really took on a lion's share of the show. I, which I, I think was a mutual uh, benefit there because he's got his new toy that makes all those cool sounds and he programs beats in it. And I really like it. Um, it it kind of adds something to the show. I like talking with beats underneath me. I'm going to start doing that. I think at the end of shows when the, when the guest leaves and just put like a subtle, a subtle beat, you know, behind me, like, uh, like I would do something the same thing that I, or that I do at the beginning because it makes me feel like my, it makes my pacing better. It gives me moments where I can pause and people aren't going to judge how it sounds because they got a beat playing in the background. And who doesn't like to hear a voice over top of a beat? You know? And what I try to bring you here on Black Balls is an experience, okay? It's very experiential. I do it for you guys. <laughs> and I am so full of shit. No, I do do it for you guys, but I just wouldn't express it like that. We'll see you tomorrow on Casual Fridays. And thank you for joining us. On Blackball. Cheers, everybody. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.